G'day everyone, it's uh, James Davis from uh, Pax8 Academy down here in APAC and privileged to have Jeremy from Film join me. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great, James. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm excited for this conversation. We've had a few few conversations behind the scenes and you've had me on your your podcast as well. And I really just want to talk to you about and explore the topic of MDF funding uh, for partners today and how they can how they can be much more successful in, in leveraging those and get you to sort of lift the lid on what vendors' expectations are and how to better manage that as well. And I think I think to start off with, let's start on a positive spin and I'll ask you the question, what, what do people do um, successfully to leverage these funds to, to grow the business? What have you seen? Yeah, thanks, James. I think this is such a, a great topic, and I'm I'm, I'm glad uh, you're putting a, a light on it because it's uh, it, it can be a, a significantly important conversation and um, uh, and topic for business leaders to focus on. I think the more successful um, engagements that are that are utilizing uh, marketing development funds uh, are are ones of open collaboration between partners and their vendors. Um, I think where those in the business on the on the partner side are in charge of marketing, like uh, they they really understand how to work closely with their channel account manager or their partner manager, and um and 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 talk openly about the situations that they're in uh, when it comes to generating demand or 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 lead pipelines in their business and. Um, have the ability to understand uh, how to grow their business in a defined way. And that tends to be uh, lacking um, uh, uh, in, in many scenarios. And so I think the, 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 par- uh, the tech marketers um, on the partner side who uh, are already deploying campaigns who are able to tap into vendors and and do a lot of the heavy lifting and and openly ask for support um whether that be uh financial or non-financial um and and have the, the ability to understand how to attach measurement and metrics to those activities and go beyond a quarterly view of their campaigns uh to display to vendors that this is a long-term program that they're uh, looking to expand on, that they don't have the answers today and they may not deliver results tomorrow, but but in a, a longer-term program, uh, they're able to display that the, the MDF was used in a way that scaled them up. And, um, and, and so the vendors uh, are able to increase their trust in how the partner's deploying their MDF tends to unlock more MDF over time or, or, or some other type of support. And it, it becomes a flywheel in that sense in time. You can't start with that, but uh, you, you work, work up towards it. And so the more successful engagements tend to be in a flywheel model as they're taking a, a, a longer-term view and a collaborative approach. So I can already sort of surmise from what you just said that there's a reason why most... Uh, technology, small technology businesses aren't really succeeding with MDF. Like you just, you just said there that pretty much the ones that are successful at leveraging these relationships and the funds, uh, 
are ones that have control over their own marketing. They've got a longer term strategy and they've got a marketing mm. plan. Mm. Not many small technology businesses have those. Uh, um, so that's probably the, the first challenge that really sticks out. So, so if you're getting started and you don't have that in play, like what, what are the, what are the steps to start building up, um, up to working with your vendors and, um, DISTs a lot closer to, to do MDF. You're raising a, 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 a real challenge here is where do we start? It's, it's, uh, for the, the smaller, uh, tech businesses, be it managed service providers or resellers or system integrators or, or whomever, where do they start? They've invested heavily in sales capability over time. They likely have a, a single marketing coordinator, marketing manager, um, possibly a few, but usually it's a single person um, responsible for the totality of their marketing. Many don't have a marketer at all. Uh, they've grown their business off word of mouth and referrals from delivering great service to their clients. Uh, they've grown reputations in their communities by being part of associations or or uh, committees at their kids' schools. Um, it's, a, it's a natural growth cycle, but you can't scale that. And so where they're looking to understand how to start, it's kind of unclear in what to do, particularly when their first challenge is a broader uh, brand strategy and growth strategy across their organization, which their vendor isn't going to get involved with necessarily. Uh, they they could have anywhere between, I don't know, eight to 12 uh, vendor partners in their stack. Um, each vendor is only going to support them uh, to grow the business related to that vendor's platform or, or, or networking or whatever it is that they're uh, bringing to support the partner. And so the partner then also is stuck because if they're going to de deploy MDF to only promote a single service, I think there's a mental block there to, well, we don't want to be known just for this. And therefore, they don't start with a single campaign because they believe that it's going to put a message to market that they are only networking or they are only desktop as a service or whatever it is. And so these inhibitors prevent them from doing anything at all. And um, I think whether they're going to look to understand how are we going to develop our growth strategy in total or start small and look to understand and talk to a vendor to say, hey, we're not really doing any marketing at all, but how can we get started with you and recognize that no one out in the market is paying attention and uh, any single campaign isn't going to change their brand reputation uh, whatsoever. They can start taking smaller steps to build up and, and recognize that no single activity is going to change the world, that it's the totality of a lot of activity over time. So that, that getting started is a, is a real challenge. It's, it's, it's an interesting point, and I think it's from um, from us being small business owners and wearing many hats. And uh, you said there, a lot of us build the sales capability first. Um, for a lot of owners, that takes a long time to build that out because mm. we're so uncomfortable with sales. And then marketing is like this this next level 
uncomfortability that we don't understand. And I think that's where that uh, mental block comes in of anything that we do is a really big effort. Um, mentally and actually if we don't have the marketing person like you said which a lot of um uh, smaller technology businesses don't have it is a lot of effort a lot of the time because you're the owner's the one doing the work to to get it all done hmm. uh so you are you started to mention there around like the vendor side and the 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 issues that you know, especially like msps struggle with we're not that interested in selling the pushing and selling the product because at the end of the day our clients don't care they're, they're buying that relationship they're buying that trust and advisory mm, yeah how, how do how do we overcome overcome that with vendors who do push that agenda they're just the their brand is everything and their products are going to save the world i'm assuming that's where the friction all starts so how do how do we how do we manage that and um and, and get started as well with um, building that relationship in a different way. I think these are really great points. Uh, I think it's important to understand that on the vendor side, uh, it, the the product-centric content isn't necessarily an agenda per se. That's how they scale their partner enablement for the most part because they're limited in capacity as well, but just at a different level and a different scale. And um, it makes a lot of strategic sense to load up a lot of content onto a partner portal and make them available to partners to do their own marketing. Most that I'm aware of tend to provide partner-centric content. And there are some significant challenges there, particularly for the Asia-Pacific region, because it tends to be American-centric content. And it's uh, the, the spelling alone is off-putting to, to end-user prospects. And, but because of the product centricity, it's uncomfortable for me as a service provider to want to even put that out because... I actually don't want my clients to care about which product I'm using. I want them to trust me to go to market and deliver whatever is best practice and whatever is best in market. And um, and so I want that trusted advisory relationship with my clients. And therefore, I don't want to push out spec sheets and and uh, product brochures that just have my logo in the in the bottom corner. But but this is this this is what is being done, and uh, so what we really need to look at from the service provider side is how am I going to grow relationships, and therefore the conversation needs to be about how am I eliciting trust in a measurable way. It's weird to talk about it like that, but. I think most smaller technology businesses would do well by understanding how, what is the process of building a relation, a trusted relationship over time um, with my end users, and how can I potentially use content uh, or or messaging to help drive that? And there's clear uh, pathways of doing so by uh, displaying your uh, 
uh, your case studies, by displaying the um, the ways that you resolve particular pain points in end users, uh, businesses, um, by the way that you specialize in particular niche verticals, whatever it is, I think that's a uh, that's a clear um, a clearly different pathway from leveraging product centric content. And so I think the vendors in the channel program managers or, or heads of channel who are getting really, really good at partner enablement are actually figuring out how do we either create region-specific helpful content that you can leverage in whichever way you need uh, to, to, to make it easier for you to, to put messaging into market in a way that you see fit uh, that matches your brand and your positioning and and uh, your target prospects and, and verticals. Um, or they're looking to understand how can we customize it for you. And that's really exciting stuff because guys need that because, as you said, they're wearing all the hats. And if they're not focusing their time on revenue-generating activities, their business is not moving forward. And uh, so, so I think where there's the capability on the vendor side to understand how to support their their partner base on mass, particularly the smaller end side of their partner base, which is the largest side of their partner base, um, the the more they can accelerate the demand generation at the individual partner level. Uh, what I was hearing as you were talking there, the last sort of point. Um, it's a bit of a, it's a two way street. So it's very, it is very hard from the, the vendor side to push out messaging that's going to work for your individual business because, uh, you need to know what your messaging, what your positioning is, what your value prop is so that, and your culture and all of that, all that stuff. So you can frame the, frame that marketing the way that you need to for your business. Uh, and most most small technology businesses don't know any of the stuff that you listed out. So there's this bit of a friction immediately because the small technology business owners are looking for a silver bullet to go, just give me some marketing stuff and I'll push it out and I'll magically get leads. But this isn't how it works from what, I, what I'm aware of. I, I don't know your opinion around this, but I think that's where the friction starts, isn't it? Like apart from the um, product product focus on the marketing, it's very hard for a vendor to do the actual value prop to, to the clients. So what what do small business owners need to think about a lot more when they when they're looking at this sort of this sort of marketing? It's important to be practical and pragmatic. If they don't have what we've been discussing, my view is it is better to do something than to do nothing. And it is important to be communicating even if you aren't clear about what makes you different. The reality is, is that everybody is building kit on the same vendor platforms. And there is very little differentiation at technical level May, maybe, maybe, but but not necessarily to a degree that it's going to contain the 
the cogency to drive a decision maker to decide between one way or the other. I think most of the differentiation between platforms or cloud services or or whatever tends to be fairly negligible. The the differentiator is your brand, your people, your customer service excellence, the trust that you build. These are clear cut throughs. If you haven't yet articulated what that is or how that sets you apart from uh, the the hundreds of other providers in this same space, just by going to market with communications alone already puts you ahead of everyone else because everyone else is like you in that they are also paralyzed in communicating and they are also inhibited by not pushing communications out. So just by starting, you're already starting to win. Now, the the challenge, though, is, is it is so time-consuming to get to the point of even doing that. And I believe the more time that it takes to ramp up to start getting messaging out or starting to communicate or starting to, uh, well, do anything there's more risk attached to it because it becomes so meaningful that you need it to work immediately. And unfortunately, a, 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 a couple of EDMs or, or electronic mails, e, uh, emails aren't going to unlock a flood of leads in the way that we've come to believe that it should. And so... Uh, there's expectation management involved there as well that's required to understand that it's a sustained process over time. But uh, I think the the smaller technology business would, would be well served even if they don't feel like they have a core marketing strategy or, or brand principles or differentiation that starting to communicate alone is highly valuable and keeping the rhythm is highly valuable in and of itself. And obviously, you were not talking about just shoveling rubbish out for the sake of the, the word. You're talking about communicating at least a half decent message and, and building up and improving it as you go. Um, but I, I totally get your point, even from my personal experience. Just getting started and then and building up over time. No one remembers the stuff that you do earlier in the piece. It's people either remember the last couple of weeks if that of what they've seen because it's every there's so much information around so that perfection over execution gets in the way of a lot of the stuff we do in small technology businesses that it really is that discipline to just get started and then just focus on improving as you maintain that discipline um and i want to want to ask you a question on a point that you, you made a bit a while ago that measuring trust um, throughout this and quanti- being able to quantify that. What did you mean about that? And what does that, what does that impact in, in, in terms of um, the, uh, the technology business marketing uh, measurement itself and then the relationship with the, uh, the vendor that you're getting MDF from? I think this is such a critical conversation. The, I've, Anyone who is in the business of service is in the business of trust, I believe. And I think trust can be broken so quickly. And 
and it's important uh, and it's hard to build the um what i think is that the the businesses that are engaging msps or other providers ultimately come to a point of trust where they are not questioning every single decision or they are not deep down in the details because at that point they know that everything's secure everything's running new hires are onboarded with all the technology that they need and there there are workstations to to get going on day one there if there's problems there's a help desk that resolves the issues quickly all of these things amount into a what is called a trusted relationship but building that in advance of signing an agreement um, is often not thought about you know we um, as 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 technology providers or builders of technological solutions the nirvana is just to build it and it sells itself right I mean that's 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 the ideal and uh, uh, we we want to be in our offices and we just want to put stuff out there and 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 leads come to us and some guys get it right. They make it onto to a marketplace, and um, and there's so much demand that that their opportunities come to them. Uh, but that's not usually the case. the 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 common scenario is that we have to go out and find the right type of prospective client, and you know, not be chasing bad fit, but finding the right types who. Um, will work with us and work with us over the long term and just, you know, so we can drive up client lifetime value. It's too expensive to constantly find new clients, but if we can grow our relationships with existing clients over time, that's that's the most optimal. So building that trust up front and measuring it, I tend to think that that, that starts sitting uh, within the marketing metrics. And how do we develop that up front or how do we figure out how someone is engaging with us we do it with content and this is where there is a um, I think a unique opportunity for for b2b technology companies in particular to start understanding we're not constantly just trying to sell services we want to eventually but Nobody buys immediately. And um, in this particular landscape or ecosystem, uh, if we reflect on ourselves, most uh, uh, owners or, or uh, managing directors of MSPs hate to be sold to. Yeah. You know, it's, even they want relationships first before they're going to consume or, or buy. And, and and I think any anyone who's trying to overtly sell to them is on a fool's errand uh, in the first place. And so I, I think looking to understand, well, if we can't just go out and overtly sell, how are we going to firstly get on their radar and become known to them? Secondly, how do we position ourselves as someone who can resolve some pretty serious problems that they have? whether they know that they are problems or not at the time, um, and how can we increasingly become part of their research 
as they then start looking for solutions to resolving those problems. That's content for the most part. And so when we were talking earlier about region-specific content or, or content that's pointing towards um, resolving pain points, uh, that's where the hard thinking com- uh, needs to come out around, well, if, we're, if, if 80% of our current client uh, portfolio is education providers, we're working with schools uh, from primary schools right through to... Uh, ideally one day universities, uh, they have distinct issues. They've got very distinct problems. They've got security concerns. They've got data retention concerns. They've got cloud consumption. The list goes on and on and on. But how can we get on their radar by showing that we understand them? We have the ability to resolve these issues um, we are drip feeding content to market. We are emailing. We are uh, hosting events. We are doing a whole range of activities in a sustained way um, to display to these people that we get them. Where you measure that trust is how they interact and consume the content. Now, that, that sounds a bit strange, but it, it, it you can start looking at measurement through have they been reading what we've been sending them? Uh, how long have they been spending reading that? Uh, have they read more than what is normal in a usual scenario? And should we just pick up the phone and call them now? Because they're already aware of us. Um, and let's just find out whether they have uh, a particular issue on their minds because we've just noticed that they're reading more than what everyone else is. These are the types of things that we would start using to, to, to measure trust at just the marketing level. I find that super fascinating as you broke that out. And I think this is where that disconnect starts happening with the small business owner because all of that sounds like a whole heap of work mm. in an area that they're not comfortable with and sort of no wonder that no one's doing that right. Um, we go back to that. Uh, I think perception of marketing in general is we just chuck some stuff in and we magically get leads out the other end. And it's, it's a bit of voodoo magic for us. It's like almost like completely off the opposite to um, what we do as technology businesses. But I actually don't think it is. I, I think it's just um, sort of incorrect perceptions by owners. It's, um, it's actually more process driven than, than what we think it is. It's very measurable. It's very much like our our normal services in a lot of ways. It's that it's that we just need that rhythm and process of what we're doing. The difficulty um, is stopping and thinking about what content to put out. Um, and I don't think it's actually as difficult as everyone thinks it is when we know who who our audience is. And we can just talk to them and be our genuine self and and push out that information like that um, example you use with education. Mm. We're a small technology business specializing in a, in a vertical. The owner often knows all of this stuff. It's 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 being deliberate about getting that, uh, setting time aside to do it or finding a method to get, get the information outside of their head. And this is probably where um, getting outside help makes a difference um but 
from my experience, most most small business owners get the wrong help for marketing. They get they often get that sort of marketing coordinator or lower that's not really working at a strategic level. They're just there to funnel out activity, but they need the content. So what when when people are looking for for help and especially with leveraging like the MDF, what should they actually be looking for? What what helps them be successful at, at running this sort of content education cam- campaigns? You mentioned a really important point there about uh, the the dark arts of marketing, or 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 the belief that it's this this cauldron that's being brewed, and uh, somehow revenue comes from it, and that that's never the case. And the if the if support is being sought, it's important to look for providers or or people who can come alongside and help who are looking to understand not just dispelling that belief but looking to understand how do we create repeatable process so that we can iterate over time now when you start speaking like that to business owners that makes a lot of sense because that's how they've built their business they've just never had the opportunity the capacity or the uh, the impetus to apply this thinking to marketing. They've they've grown their sales in this way over time, or they have uh, gotten a whole lot better about uh, increasing their managed recurring revenue over time. They just haven't applied it to marketing for the most part. Now, if we take a step back and think about it, leads have to come from somewhere, right? That's there is no magic behind that. We need to talk very openly about that revenue is going to come from somewhere. And it's not it's not just suddenly out of the blue, uh, there's there's a, an unlock where pipeline is suddenly developed. Now that's that's generally not the case. Now, I know a lot of partners want that unlock to come from their vendor. And that would be their nirvana, right? The the vendor just feeds them leads and happy days. They just they're they're buy ready leads. They just need to go in with the the pen and just close them on the spot because the need's already there. And I've seen that happen. It does happen occasionally, but for most partners it doesn't. So if we think logically about where do leads come from, there is only a very specific list of what is possible. They hear about you, they are doing research and they find you online, they've somehow been exposed to something that you've done, they've been referred by somebody, they saw your uh, your logo or your content somewhere. The, 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 there's only about eight, eight to ten various channels that they can uncover you in the first instance or, or or find you and so if we then reverse engineer the okay well if if there's these sources then what should we lean in on because we can't ca- tackle them all we don't have time and we don't have budget i'm very risk averse uh, i don't want to i don't want to spend a lot of my own uh money on this initially I don't even know if it's going to work, so there's a lot of risk attached to it. Where am I going to start? And so picking one or two 
and then looking to iteratively get better over time on just those and not expect too much, but to get measurable metrics from it over time gives you the confidence to expand on them. A vendor channel manager seeing that and being brought in on that process helps you scale that or accelerate it because they're then willing to say, hey, listen, this is fantastic that you're trying to grow your business and that we're part of that journey. How can we come in and support you? One of the ways is we'll help you with these particular activities and we'll even fund these activities and let's come back and reconvene and look at what happened from that. And if it did well, hey, next quarter, let's double it or let's figure out how do we expand that into a couple other territories or regions or how can we look at a couple other channels of acquisition of lead acquisition and apply these same process to that as well. Uh, that's where we can start dispelling the myth that it's this this black magic type of approach and and really get some some core fundamentals in place. That's that's some really good good advice. I think the just just focusing um, and a lot of it is fairly obvious if we stop and reflect where are we getting our leads who are our, who are our ideal clients because we already have them we already have examples of them and we can work backwards where did we get them from um, and then double down on that sort of methodology and and focus on it and measure the results over over a bit of time and then it's always a bit of trial and error in this isn't there uh, it's not it's not just going to be one magic thing. You might stumble across the thing that 100% works for you, but often it's it's going to take some time to to work out your processes and and your channels, like you you described. I know I know we could keep talking about this. I I love this topic and it, it, I find it so fascinating. I think it's one of the one of the most undervalued and underutilized areas of uh, small technology business that holds us back. So we've spoken about a lot of, lot of different areas today. If you were to, to sort of wrap up today with what you want, want people to, to walk away and with and take away and then get started, what would, what would you, what would you surmise? I would really encourage listeners to think about what is inhibiting them uh, in in growing their um, their demand generation and, and lead generation, one of the inhibitors that I would imagine um, that is not being considered is they're not talking to their vendors about this. The channel partner or channel account manager generally isn't going to start the conversation with you. They have their own jobs and KPIs, and a lot of that is directly connected to where they can upsell or, 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 or sell more consumption or more widgets. Uh, their focus tends to be on very large partners as a result. Therefore, I, I would encourage the listeners to put their hand up to say, hey, we really want to grow our business and how can we do it better together? 
starting that conversation openly and humbly uh, uh, without without feeling like that's going to somehow besmirch or be detrimental to your reputation with your partner. But going in boldly to say, listen, how can we grow our business um, with with your help? That first conversation alone is probably going to be the hardest because from there you can start looking at an action plan. The vendor might say, we would love to help you, but you're not quite on our radar yet. But if you were to start doing dot, 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 we will start getting behind you because you will have elicited trust from us to show that you're serious about this. The days of vast MDF being splashed around for anything, long gone, right? The, the pencils are sharper than ever, even on the vendor side. But if they can see that you are serious about looking to build a sustainable process to to increase your exposure, to do it in a measurable way, to do it in a repeated way, that relationship will intensify over time to where you can unlock increasing amounts of funding from your vendors to scale up your marketing at the same time. But it takes time. It's a relationship. It requires a lot of communication and it requires a commitment as well. You're juggling all the hats. So uh, adding this as a core commitment means that you're committing to the growth of your business and understanding that it's not going to uh, unlock pipeline immediately, but will do so in time. And and you have that understanding and you're communicating that back to your vendor and um, growing your relationship with them. Uh, that's some awesome advice to, uh, to to finish off the the session, and I really appreciate you jumping on and giving a giving your time and sharing some a lot of good information that not not enough partners get to hear. So, no doubt we're going to have you on again. So, thank you very much for your time, Jeremy, and I look forward to next time. Thanks for having me, James. It's been awesome.